0: The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah, run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing.
1: Hello and welcome to Besides Still Waters. We are continuing in our uh, consideration of the sower and the human heart. And um, for the next few podcasts, we will be looking at uh, the seed, which is the Word of God, as it fell in the hearts of the hearers in the Lord Jesus' day. But it also is applicable to our times uh, in that the human heart, the human condition, is still the same. And uh, we'll see what happens when the seed, the Word of God, falls on um, hardened hearts, wayside hearts, hearts that are encumbered by stones, uh, hearts that are uh, constrained and uh, starved by thorns in the environment. And of course, the good heart, the one that brings hope, brings forth uh, fruitage, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so, uh, from our last podcast uh, concerning the sower and the effect of the seed on the Word of God, I just want to remind you that what we're looking at, Specifically, is the heart condition uh, physically? Uh, you know, as we go to the doctor, we may be um, diagnosed with uh, atherosclerosis, uh, which I mentioned before, is the uh, deposits of fatty plaques on the inner walls of our arteries. But spiritually, the listeners in the day of our Lord Jesus had hearts, souls that were callous, unresponsive to His teachings. Uh, So much so, this was so prevalent a problem that Isaiah, 700 years before, uh, could prophesy about these people and their unresponsiveness uh, to teaching of the Word of God. And so the problem statement becomes that heavenly mysteries and their intended benefit can only be extracted by a healthy heart. This This is really the key. Uh, if you will, to these parables. I mean, we may be trying to broaden our understanding of you know, what are the hearts of people like when we go and we're talking and living and mixing and uh, um, um, commiserating with uh, people of all sorts of backgrounds. At the end of the day, there are probably about three, really four types of hearts. And of the four, only one type can assimilate the heavenly mysteries and their intended benefit. It needs a healthy heart. And so uh, Solomon, uh, in his uh, writings, particularly uh, Proverbs uh, 4 and 23, uh, exhorts us to guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it, out of the heart, flow the issues of life. So it is with the heart that truth is exacted and extracted. It's uh, with the heart that we are able to see the parallels of heavenly truth uh, aligned with earthly events. Um, It is with the heart that uh, these idioms blossom in our understanding. And so we are able to uh, grasp the essential truth, especially that of the new birth, which is really the beginning, the starting point, regeneration, a uh, resurrection and breathing into our spirit's new life. Uh, as you know, at the fall of man, uh, his spirit died, his connection, uh, that vehicle, that, uh, that mechanism through which man could commune with God, the human spirit, that died. And man was essentially, you know, body and soul with a dead spirit. And so the new birth, the regenerative process, uh, breeds life and, or new life, new birth, a rebirthed spirit. Man becomes complete again and can fellowship with God. And so, you know, moving right along, we come to the in, in our Lord's uh, exposition of this parable, uh, he deals with seed that fell by the wayside. And we find this, of course, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And what we are told is that the seed was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And so uh, what we learn in these three um, gospel writings is that there was a lack of understanding, first of all. Uh, One of the gospel writers said that the person hearing the word of God did not understand it. Also, there's a, a measure of carelessness, if you will. And typically when we don't understand something, we just relegate it to the category of nonsense. And we go on with our lives. So essentially uh, we become careless and callous, and then we're told that uh, you know the 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 uh, birds of the air devoured it, and the gospel writer said, "Then comes uh, devils, the devil uh, the wicked one, if you will, comes and catches away what was sown and immediately and this happens immediately, so people are actively hearing the scriptures being taught the word of God. The comprehensive application of biblical truth is applied to the life and believing and thinking and practice. And in this first category of hearts, although the people actively heard the word of God, there's no... uh, apprehension of what this means to them. What we are told in these parables, and applied to all four, but certainly in this first one, is that this word, this seed, originates with God. It originates with God. It's the whole counsel of God which addresses life, and eternity. These are the precepts, statutes, prophetic writings, the life stories, the life examples. All of these things were written for our admonition to instruct us as to what holy living is. There's also an unseen element when one begins to consider the relevance of this parable. This person that has uh, a wayside heart, if you will, applies intellectual resources to comprehend content that originates with God. And human beings, man, cannot with intellect assimilate truth I mean, there is a measure of cognitive understanding. But remember, this seed is intended to find its home, its resting place, in the very heart of man, in the core of his being. It's a heavenly content, a heavenly substance, a heavenly object falling on an earthly environment, something that's infinite in nature and eternal in nature, that is, the Word of God, versus uh, our finite understanding of that which is infinite. And so, because of the fact that the Word of God is eternal, it's being deposited within the cosmos. And what we are getting In our examination, not only of the wayside hearts, but all the hearts, is a vertical view from a horizontal perspective. We are being given a view into the heart condition of men everywhere. But we are seeing it the way God sees it. And so when we come to the point where the conclusion is drawn, when, we, when that person who hears the word of God tries to understand it cognitively, tries to wrap their minds around something that is eternal in nature, but it's not embraced as such, when they say to themselves, this makes no sense, this is nonsense, or I can't be bothered with this, Or in their minds, I cannot comprehend what this means. They can't bring it together to get a cohesive view of the point of this teaching. Actually, the hearer becomes like those in Jeremiah's day when he told them that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is coming and the judgments that would follow and the pain and the suffering that would follow, but the people were so immersed in idolatrous worship, they couldn't see beyond the present circumstance. And they were doomed to suffer the consequences of their blindness. And so when the Lord Jesus refers to the seed being trodden underfoot, this event, this moment, when that person makes the decision that the subject they are now considering, which is heavenly in nature, infinite in nature, eternal in nature, and coming from the top down to earth, if you will, when they conclude that this subject is just not worth investing any resources to understand, it is at that point that the door to the inner world of their heart opens. We are complicated creatures. When we guard our hearts, we are mindful that we have to be careful what's coming in from the outside. What are the enjoyments? What are the thoughts, the themes that we're considering? And basically, what are we pondering on the inside? And so, when this person makes the decision, comes to the conclusion that this is just not worth investing the time, it makes no sense, it's nonsense, I can't be bothered. And once they have made that conclusion at the front door, the back door is unlocked to their hearts. And what we see, just as the birds came and snatched away the seed, now that person becomes open to the forces of darkness. In fact, if you were to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 17 and 18, where Paul is uh, the first mention of his prayers for the believers at Ephesus, Paul was asking God to override the tendency of people, in this case believers, to close the door of their understanding. And what he prays is that the Father of glory may give to you, that is the Ephesus Christians, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It is something that has to be imparted from God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, that the word of God may be made clear, coherent, obvious, so that the believer experiences what we typically call an aha moment. And he's praying that the aha moment becomes the norm. And he goes on to say that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, okay, meaning (laughs) that we might extract the divine intent of what is taught, that we might apprehend the objective intended by God. You see, Paul was wise to the fact that if believers are going to be able to guard their hearts, if the word of God that is deposited in their innermost being as they ponder it and ask the Spirit of God to teach them, if they're going to have that aha moment, then the Father of glory has to give to these people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ. It is not just a knowing about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in knowing him. We know him as we walk. As, as John wrote in, in the first, uh, his first letter, in 1 John, okay? This is how we know that we know him. <laughs> that we are walking like him. That we are holy like him. And we begin to understand experientially what walking in Christ is like. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. But I want you to understand that this person that the Lord Jesus was referring to, this person with a wayside heart, a hardened heart, a calloused heart, This condition existed before the seed was deposited. Remember, the seed fell on the wayside heart. The wayside heart wasn't made wayside after the seed fell on it. No, this condition predates the hearing of the word of God. We are dealing with a person who typically dismisses spiritual things. They have no regard for it. And therefore, there is no protection from the uh, principalities and powers that are wrestling for dominance in the human mind and heart. We have to understand something about the nature of the powers of darkness. Uh, the Lord Jesus, back in, in uh, John, in writing about the Lord Jesus' teachings uh, in John chapter 10, points to the fact that the thief, <laughs> all right, the evil one, Uh, He exists to do three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his objective, steal, kill, and destroy. And the point of his attack is the human entity, man. He's just interested in making man remain in his hardened or her hardened condition. And if that person dies in that state, unregenerated, There is no eternal hope for them. They're lost eternally. They are separated from God for time and eternity. And that is his objective. And therefore, as the gospel writers wrote in in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, that he did this so that they would not believe and be saved, be rescued, be delivered, be born anew, be regenerated. That is the objectives or the key objective of the powers of darkness. But when Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, he was praying for the preventative, the protection to be applied. And you say, well, what is the protection, Christian? The protection is for God himself to override our tendency to close the door when we don't understand. In fact, the Lord Jesus even dealt with this in in John chapter 14 concerning the spirit of truth that would reveal the things of Christ. He would teach us. He would teach us. He, as our teacher, helps us and enables us to override the tendency to close the door of our minds thus causing us to simply not understand. And Paul says that the God, the Father of glory, may give you, and therefore what you and I can do as Christians, is to ask God to give me this spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know the Lord Jesus Christ. Open the eyes of my heart, my understanding. Enlighten me from within so I can have that aha moment. The spirit of wisdom and revelation countermands the destructive or harmful influences of the powers of darkness. The Holy Spirit forms in us and executes God's divine counsels and perspectives. He opens them to us that we might have a clear understanding of the purpose and will of God for our lives. This, this is protection of the human soul from that melancholic effect, that unsavory, you know, the sometimes life and its, its, its annoyances and perils and trials that at times are satanically uh, generated affects us to the point where we don't even want to be bothered with trying to assimilate truth. You know, when you think of Job and and, and his trial, you know, Job suffered to the degree that he could, you know, our, our hearts ache for this man because little did he know that the trials that came upon him were because of the evil one that went to and fro through the whole earth. And then he identified this man after God said, have you considered my servant Job? And of course we know how that unfolded. And for many of us, uh, and we will learn later as we examine the stony heart, that God has a purpose for trials. There's a purpose for trials. But back to the wayside heart. What, what, what's the purpose of the, of the forces of darkness, the principalities and powers that we wrestle against and the principalities and powers that often cloud the minds of men who have not been regenerated. What is his strategy? What is his intention? Well, his intention, first and foremost, is to plunder life-giving, life-creating, life-constructing word of God. God. You know, when we think of uh, Genesis and the creation of the world, God simply said, light be. And he began to create the world and the earth and and the fruitage and the animals by the word of his power. Life-giving, life-creating, life-constructing, that is the word of God. And his intention, the forces of darkness, is to plunder, to not allow that seed to rest on the soil of the human heart and generate new life, transformation, regeneration. In Colossians uh, 1 and 28, when Paul wrote to the Christians uh, in Colossae, he told them of the hope of glory, which is Christ in you. Christ in you, this is their objective to bring all men to this point where Christ in you is formed. This was his purpose. in fact, he says when he wrote to them that he called it a glorious mystery among the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach or announce, admonishing every man and teaching every man in there it is all wisdom. To the end, the objective being that we may present every man complete, perfect, mature in Christ Jesus. This is God's objective. To create in us a new man. To create Christ in me. Which generates new conduct, a new destiny, new sentiments. In the end, a new man, new character. But this person, (laughs) their life is filled with labors and hardships and pain and annoyances and perils and troubles and all the events that consume the human experience with sufficient distraction which seems to thwart the very purposes of God. You know, most people are just so busy living that they don't have time to think about eternity. And the forces of darkness, the wicked one, would keep us occupied with all of these extraneous events of labors and annoyances and hardships and perils and pain and trouble and riddle our lives with this. To the point where we have no time for eternal matters to consider our eternal destiny. And so we are consumed with these experiences. But what we are also told about the birds just as they snatch the precious seed we are told by the gospel writers mm. that Satan comes especially in Mark uh, chapter 4 verse 15 he immediately re- uh, removes the seed and the, the, the Greek term is to remove by force. He is compelled to act swiftly and to abruptly abort this process because time is of the essence. When this seed, the word of God, is sprinkled on the human heart, he knows that it is (laughs) life-giving, life-creating, life-constructing, And if his objective is the destruction of the human entity, he must forcefully and immediately remove the seed. He has to remove the seed. This seed, which is, you know, we're told, for example, in in Peter's writing that the, the seed is the Word of God. Peter says that in in, in chapter 1, in verses 24. He says, because all flesh is as grass and all its glory as the flower of the grass. The grass is withered, its flower has fallen, but the word of God abides for eternity. The word of God abides for eternity. And this, he says, but this is the word of God, which in the gospel is presented unto you. Encased in the message of the death burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is life-giving, life-regenerating power. It abides for eternity. It germinates in man's heart. And when he hears the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus being the substitutionary, divinely sent Lamb of God, whose blood was shed for the remission of sins, and that person believing that this substitute was on their behalf personally and embraces this message and believes to the saving of their soul, that person is translated from death to life. He's called by God from darkness into his light, into divine light. There's an immediate translation from judgment and the receiving of forgiveness, the the uh, the uh, uh, expunging of their record of crimes against God, <laughs> and the adoption into sonship. And so, what does the enemy do? He immediately and forcefully removes the seed because he is trying to. Prevent this process of regeneration, of this person being delivered from darkness into light, from death to life. And we are told in in Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, that he catches away. The the Greek term is to, to, to snatch, to interrupt this process, to prevent it from beginning because once it starts, it's unstoppable. He must pluck it, pull it, take it away, uproot it quickly. And so we find that not only is, 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 is uh, the forces of darkness, Satan and, and his minions, actively trying to uh, abort this process to prevent the seed from germinating, the word of God in the human heart, but he tries to interrupt the process, to stop it, to pluck it up, to pull it away, to take it away, and to remove it, according to Luke chapter 8 and verse 12, to remove it, to take it completely out of the environs of the human heart. And the, the, the interesting thing about the, the surface of the human heart, if you will, the, the environment, is that it is designed to receive, to assimilate, to ingest the word of God. Oh, my friend, you know, the Lord Jesus is opening our view into what happens on the inside of a person that is unseen by the naked eye. All we see is perhaps a disinterested person, a person who dismisses us, a person who says, you know, I, I don't have time for this. This is a lot of nonsense. You don't have anything better to do than occupying with, you know, Uh, eternal life and life after in heaven and hell. And uh, uh, As far as I'm concerned, heaven is right here. Heaven is, you know, what I make of my life, or hell is what I make of my life. This is nonsense. I can't be bothered with this. But in their thinking, they're trying to understand cognitively eternal truths, and it just simply makes no sense. In in fact, Paul uh, alludes to that fact when he says that, you know, this gospel is foolishness to the Greek. (laughs) It's nonsense. Makes no sense to be bothered with these these subjects. And so what we find is that on the outside, people are, uh, you know, they rebuff us. They reject us. They turn us away. Sometimes with insults or politely, I said, I'm not interested, I'm good, I'm all right, I have my own beliefs, you keep yours, I keep mine, wonderful, go on with my life, and I can't be bothered with this. But what is happening on the inside is a calloused, hardened heart that dismisses biblical, heaven-sent truths because it is deemed to be nonsensical. And at that point, when the door of their heart is closed by virtue of drawing this conclusion, then the forces of darkness are able to come in the back door, so to speak, snatch this life-giving seed, take it up immediately, catch it away, interrupt the process, and remove it out of the heart, thus preventing the person from believing the truths that are regenerative and life transforming. The heart is the center and the seat of the spiritual life. All of the uh, deepest thoughts and intentions and purposes. God has made us very complex, but it's not with the mind that we understand. In fact, in previous podcasts, for example, we referred to those two blind men who followed Jesus until they came to the house where he was. Well, obviously, they could see clearly to find the house. Why? Because the eyes of their hearts were wide open, although the physical eyes of their uh, bodies were blinded. And so, this prized objective is captured by Dr. Luke When, when Luke captures this one spiritual martial objective of the powers of darkness. Their intent is that a human being must not be given the opportunity to believe. And they know that if the seed takes root and the regenerate, uh, regenerative process begins, that person will be on the authority and promise of God. He or she will be delivered from eternal consequences that are associated with remaining unregenerate. And the word of God is designed to do just that, to bring forth fruit to go down deep with its roots, to translate someone from death to life because they have believed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they will hear and see clearly the calling of God to come out of darkness, to live in the light of the presence of God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the forces of darkness know that if they remove that seed it is impossible for that person to be delivered it becomes like pharaoh refusing to release captive israel (laughs) as long as he continued to refuse people innocent people will die egypt will be destroyed and in fact his leaders his counselors said don't you see egypt is destroyed and it had to go to the very end where. His firstborn was, was even killed, and that became the breaking point for the Egyptians to let Israel go. But even then, because they could not see the purposes and plan of God, they still pursued after Israel to their final destruction at the Red Sea, being covered by its depths. And so we come to this first of, of our hearts, in the teaching of our Lord Jesus, a wayside heart, a hardened heart, a calloused heart, a heart that is unresponsive to God. My friend, you may be listening to my voice. And you may conclude to yourself, this is nonsense. I urge you, I urge you to ask God to do what Paul prayed for the believers uh, in the church of Ephesus, to ask God, if he did it for others, if he gave them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, ask him to open the eyes of your understanding, to enlighten your eyes. And I say this also to the devotees, the believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. You may read the Bible daily and it just seems like a, a ritual, a purposeless ritual. And, you know, often we have referred to, you know, coming into God's presence beside still waters. And that's just terminology that, that evokes in one's mind that this is a moment that's designed for you and me to pause long enough and ask God by his Spirit to speak to us through the Word, to illumine the pages in such a way that it becomes God the Spirit speaking to me. And that I take this opportunity to commune with the living God in a quiet place in a secret place let this be your prayer and mine as we open the word of God as we ponder truths firstly that it would become personal to us that the God and father of glory may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ. Father, open our understanding today. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts that we might see the beauty, the glory of our calling in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we might go forth into a chaos-filled cosmos shining as lights being salty and making people thirsty to know who Jesus is as they see him living in us. Help us to do this by your grace and power. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining Besides the Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.